Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Ray and Tay Today. Talking sports with friends. Ella, just talk about sports. Here it is, y'all. We're on the air. Sit on the sofa, throw your hands in the air. We're talking sports so you can come on and listen. NFL Predictions. Hello, hello, and welcome to the show. You're listening to Ray and Tay today, and I'm Ray, tall Rayside. And I'm Tay, Eric Taylor. It is finally here, Championship Friday. The NFL is getting ready to give us the participants in the Super Bowl. Ray will also end up with some NBA All-Star starters and all the interesting stuff there. A lot of stuff in the NFL. Obviously, there's still coaching jobs open, too, with the Cardinals and Titans. We'll see how that plays out. Everybody else is sort of kind of finding their positions. The NFL made a big decision, Ray. I don't know if you heard this. They decided next year not to have the players come out for the anthem. Do you think that's a good idea, kind of indifferent or whatever? What do you, what do you think about that? I actually don't like it. I mean, I think it's it's – shows book I know why they did it right they'd rather have nobody out there than have some people sitting and some people standing um, but I actually like to see everybody out there right before all contests everybody stands and does the national anthem so uh, I don't like it I know why they did it though uh, but it's saving face ultimately well I think a couple of things the ratings are down for the playoffs the ratings were down for this season now, some of it is there's a lot of people boycotting because they didn't sign Kaepernick. And then you have some people boycotting because the players were protesting. So you have all these different things. Look, it's something new. The players were not out for the anthem eight or nine years ago. This is just going on for the last seven years. So I think it's something that we think is the norm, but it's not necessarily. So to me, I think, you know, maybe it's a good compromise and you just eliminate the distraction. It's not that big of a deal. Maybe for people in the stadium on TV, you don't even really show it. They only started showing it because it became an attention thing. But I think what now it's got to be about is focusing on the games. And we have hopefully two fantastic games, but the teams are not, right? We have four quarterbacks. Only one is a, a real starter and a champion. Let's start with the AFC, Reg. It's simple, 305 Eastern. You have the Jacksonville Jaguars going to the New England Patriots, the four seed against the one seed. For you betters out there, the over-under is 40, 45 and a half. The line is now seven and a half. Patriots favored. The news just came out. Brady's got, a, 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 I guess, a cut above one of the knuckles. They didn't say if it was the thumb or the pointer. On the throwing hand, he had some stitches. Um I'll let you stab at it first, man. What, what's going to happen? Where do you see the edges? And who wins the AFC championship? Right? Sorry, this game, uh, looks like I have a bad connection, but I should be good now. This game... Brady says is the most difficult of them all. Not true. The Steelers is probably a, a, a more difficult matchup. They lost to Carolina 
there's other better matchups. But I will say this. This is the type of defense that gives Brady a lot of trouble. They rush four, and they get to the quarterback. They led the league in sacks. Their corners are excellent. Mm -hmm. Their linebackers are fast. So this defense will give Brady some trouble. Oh, and by the way, they score 45 points. Not on a stellar Pittsburgh defense, especially without Ryan Schieser, but a decent defense. So this is a team that when they are playing right, and I heard an interesting stat, even though they're not a juggernaut on offense, they actually are second in red zone efficiency. So when they yeah. get close, they score touchdowns. And that's thanks to Leonard Fournette in the running game and also Blake Bortles, to his credit, doesn't make too many mistakes in the red zone, a la Marcus Mariota. So having said all of that, I think this game will be close for most of the game. And unfortunately for the Jaguars, I think they'll be behind. They'll have to try and make plays, and that's where they might stretch it out, that they might be able to – New England might be able to pull away. So I think for three, three and a half quarters, this is going to be a really good game and a tight game because I think the Jacksonville defense will keep it tight. But I think ultimately New England wins. They have too many diverse, you know, I don't want to say superstar playmakers because nobody really except for Gronk is, is that. Yeah, but they definitely miss Edelman. Yeah, they do have some guys that can stretch the field, and I think their they're running backs out of the backfield are – able to make plays. And so, to me, this game comes down to the fourth quarter execution. I'm taking Tom Brady. Uh, I'll say the Patriots win 27-19 and go on to their seventh straight Super Bowl. Tom Brady looking for Super Bowl number six. And in his Eighth appearance. Well, they haven't gone to seven straight Super Bowls. Sorry, they're in their seventh straight AFC championship game. Right, right, right. They're in their seventh straight AFC championship game, and they've been through, what, like two or three straight Super Bowls. You're right. 27-19. Okay. You know, this one has been fascinating for me, and I've been looking and going back and forth all week, and when you have the number one ranked defense against the number one ranked offense in history in the playoffs, the defenses are three and up. But you're talking about a Tom Brady who not only does he have Cooks and Gronk, but he has three running backs that have caught over 30 balls. So where sometimes you can't run, and actually you can run against the Jaguars defense. Their pass defense is better. They run defenses like in the, in the 20s. But, you know, when the Patriots don't have their big pounding running back like, like Garrett Blunt, they can use the screen game just like the West Coast offense and Bill Walsh did with the Niners. And you've got James White and you've got Deion Lewis and you have Rex Burkhead and all three of them are available and, and somewhat healthy. And this game is still, even with a hurt knuckle, a hurt right hand, it still is in Brady's hands. I think the huge challenge is the offensive line for the Patriots because like Matt Ryan and Brady, 
and we've seen Brady's nemesis in the past of the, the Ravens defense. If you get pressure up the middle on Brady, just like the Jets did with Mark Sanchez, you can throw Brady off his game, but you have to also be willing to really throw his receivers off the mark and bump on them. And they've got Church and they've got Ramsey and A.J. Bouye. You've got Miles Jack and Dante Fowler. They've got speed. So they've got the front four, the linebackers, and the secondary to really kind of match them. But it's the chess match. And my, with all my heart, I want to pick the Jaguars. But I don't know which Blake Bortles is going to show up. And 38 points he dropped to my Steelers. That was fine. You know, Fournette rushing, and you know the Patriots, Bill Belichick will take one thing away, and it probably would be Fournette. And I think at the end of the day, it's going to be really close. And I think it will just be someone on the Patriots getting deep, whether it's Brandon Cooks or Gronk breaking a tackle to sort of pull it away. And so similar to you, we didn't talk before the show, I want to pull the trigger on the Jaguars so badly because I think these young dogs are ready, but Tom Brady is ready-er. And the Patriots will win the AFC Championship 26-20, to but it's going to be one heck of a game, and I think the Jaguars will walk out of this feeling that next year if they have Alex Smith or Eli Manning quarterbacking, that they would be able to get to the Super Bowl next season. So we both have similar scores and the same team. Let's go over to the NFC Championship. Chief State Land, the underdogs, they got they bought out from Amazon Ray all the dog masks. <laughs> the Eagles. <laughs> their fans are funny. That's crazy. I know, right? Thirty-eight and a half over under. And the Minnesota Vikings on the road are favored by three points. What's going to happen, Ray? So, just put it in historical perspective. The Eagles have been to the Super Bowl twice, lost in 80 and then lost in 2003. The Vikings haven't been to the Super Bowl since the That's 70s <laughs> when they lost four of them. Oh, and four, yeah. They were really close, though. In 99, when the Falcons beat them, 98, I guess, in the 99 Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. Um, So these are two teams chomping at the bit for not only a Super Bowl appearance, but a Super Bowl victory. Neither of them have obviously won a Super Bowl. If you think about this in historical perspective, these are the number one and number two seeds in the conference. But I got to tell you, one of these teams is going to be a Super Bowl team. And I look at these teams, maybe it's the quarterbacks going down, but I say to myself, wow, these are not one and twos in historical perspective. Like Definitely these not. guys, these guys, I mean, they, they both at times are very intense on defense and they both have, you know, a couple of playmakers here and there on offense. But I don't look at these teams as being like, oh, my God, these are these are legitimate Super Bowl you know, elite-level teams. Maybe the Eagles with Carson Wentz, I'd feel differently. So let me put all that aside. You still got to play it on the field. You got two, I don't want to say perennial backups, but you got two essentially two backup quarterbacks that might not even be on the same team next year, maybe not even like Bortles, might not be on the same team next year. So they're playing for today. They're playing for tomorrow. They're playing for next year. Contract. Contract. <laughs> exactly. So a lot of pressure on these guys, right? 
Now, neither of them, you know, is typically prone to making a lot of mistakes. They're not sort of Brett Favre types, gunslingers, but I think they'll have to make some plays just because both of these defenses are really good in the front four, the front seven, in fact, on both of these teams. Philly at times can show weakness in the secondary. And I think, uh, you know, Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen, you know, that might be the most underrated uh, wide receiving crew in a long time. These two guys are pretty good. You know, everybody talks about Kyle Rudolph and everybody talks about, you know, going into the season, Dalvin Cook. These guys are really, really good. So I'm going to say that Minnesota is at least as good on defense, a little bit better on offense. Case Keenum is doing his thing. Looking at the a, a tight, close game, I like the fact that the skill position players from Minnesota probably had a little more time to get with Case Keenum. Think about you know how Nick Foles has only really been there for three games. Uh, I, I like Minnesota in a close game. I'll say pretty low-scoring game. I'll say 20 to 16, Minnesota and the under. Going to the Super Bowl for the first time since, what would it be, 1976, I'm going to say, against the Raiders. Yeah. Kenny Stabler. (laughs) And then 74 against my Lynn Swan MVP Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, look, you, you pretty much said it all. The one thing I will say is that you could argue that out of the four teams, that the Minnesota defense might be the best unit. They've got a nice front four. I mean, you know, people like the Jaguars and people like the Patriots offense, but Minnesota's got a very good defense. They're very well coached. Xavier Rhodes, pro bowler, Harrison Smith, Everson Griffin. You've got the linebackers. You have Anthony Barr, who, you know, just accomplished and and, and a fast beat. But he'll be nice. Yeah, as Miles Jack and Fowler. I think actually Anthony Barr is probably ahead of them in terms of the Jaguars linebackers. So the Vikings have a, a very legit defense and a, and a good scheme, good coach. The Eagles, you know, you're hoping that the 27-2, and two, meaning 27 touchdowns, two interceptions, Nick Foles shows up on Sunday and realizes, wait a minute, I do have Alshon Jeffrey. I do have Zach Ertz. You know, I've got two decent running backs in the Jai and Blunt. And, you know, I, I've got Torrey Smith, deep and, you know, some, some other weapons. But this, to me, smells and feels like a defensive battle with some kind of ugly offense. And I think at the end of the day, they really do miss Carson Wentz. And the pressure is going to be really rough. And if I had to think of one of these quarterbacks that could deal with the pressure more, the only reason why I would say Case Keenum is because when he was a gunslinger at Houston in college, he was a gunslinger. Nick Foles was never that at the University of Arizona. So I'm going to put my chips in on the, on the purple people eaters and their fearsome foursome. And I think it's going to be really boring and then exciting when it needs to be. So I'm going to take the Vikings to win. I like Rudolph, and I think Diggs will have a decent day. Adam Thielen, his back is a little jacked up, so you might even need Laquan Treadwell to get some catches. But it's going to be about Diggs and Rudolph. 
<clears throat> a little bit of uh, McKinnon out of the backfield. And I think Case Keenum and the Minnesota Vikings are going to the Super Bowl, and they are going to win six. I was going to say 16-10, but I'm going to go 17-13. They cover wow, the spread. Wow, that even lower scoring than I am. So we're yeah, both on I think it's very low scoring. I think it's 17-13. I know the weather's not going to be pretty. The field won't be pretty. But I think they, they edge them out, and I think the Eagles fans will be, you know, looking for next year with Carson to take them back there. So it's the Vikings, Patriots for both of us. It's just what we think, people, you know? I mean, honestly, the NFL is really dying it, begging, pleading for it to be Vikings-Patriots. That's the the money grab in terms of the best ratings. Jaguars-Eagles would be a television nightmare, and it'd be hard to sell to America. Even Justin Timberlake can't sell the halftime show with that. So (laughs) it'll be fascinating and stuff. And uh, speaking of big events, Let's talk about the All-Stars. The NBA is doing it different this year. They announced the starters. You know, the East is, you know, the usual sort of suspects in a, in a way with some new sprinkles. It's LeBron, the leading vote-getter, so he'll be the captain. You have DeRozan and Kyrie, and good for DeRozan getting himself, you know, more recognition, uh, and Kyrie in the backcourt. And then, obviously, Giannis with LeBron and Joel Embiid, our guy from Philly. That's a nice starting five. And then, Ray, the West, and I want to ask you how you think what they're going to do with this. Curry's the point. He's the leading vote-getter. So they'll be picking their teams. Harden, Durant, and then the Pelican brothers, Davis and Cousins, Anthony Davis and Marcus Cousins. So I don't know if you know, LeBron picks first, and then they pick their first starting lineups out of the starters. The coaches will, you know, pick the reserves, and then after they have the starting lineups, then they each go on after that and pick the reserves. So the people that the fans voted as starters will start, but they're not going to be East and West. How do you think this will work, and are you angry at the NBA for not televising it? Is that just a big mistake and too much ego? Because I think they should show it. I think they absolutely should show it. It's kind of fun. Like, if you see the – the NBA insiders. What's that show on TNT where they show players only? That's yeah. actually really fun. And and yeah. think about this. As much as these guys have played basketball before and they've played pickup, they've never had to choose amongst yeah. their peers. I uh, mean, that's ridiculous. The, the coaches have always put together the teams. Who's the white team? Who's the blue team? Who's the practice team? Mm-hmm. Who's the you know, who's the game time? Who's the starting five? Who plays in the fourth quarter? Who plays in crunch time? No, players don't make those decisions. Coaches make those decisions. So it's actually pretty fun. Like, if you're going to do it, go all the way. I feel like this yeah, is Yeah, don't half-step, half. yeah. This is half-step. And what is this? So anyway, yes, and I think next year, the, if they continue this format, they'll televise it. I think this is just a NBA doesn't quite know what they're doing, so they're probably trying to manage the, the process a little too much right, and look right. like they're in control. Cause there might be a little bit of chaos, you know, people don't exactly know what to do. I think um, they're worried about hurt feelings and egos. And I think it's not the NBA so much. I think it's the players association and it's kind of silly, you know, LeBron's been kind of hinting, he, you know, oh, I'll probably take Durant first. You know, I just think, you know, Curry seems like he's ready to have more fun with it. And I think LeBron doesn't want to get it, create enemies. I don't know. I, I want to see, 
who they pay. But here's you know the thing: I mean? if he takes Durant first, okay, then Steph. What does Steph do? Does Steph have to go big? The thing is, there's three big guys essentially. There's Giannis. Oh, well, four big guys, right? Giannis and Embiid and the two New Orleans guys. So I guess I don't know, man. That's that's, that's a dilemma. So let's. No, it's going to be fascinating. If, it's if, definitely going to be fascinating. So if you're and, Steph, um, what do you take? You take. Well, if I'm take, Steph, uh, honestly, if Boogie? LeBron goes and takes Durant, if I'm Steph, I probably go get me Brown? Anthony Davis. Or you know, I, I would think he would go with Anthony Davis. You know, and I wonder if Steph just refuses to draft Kyrie, so LeBron has to take Kyrie to play, you know, his point. <laughs> <laughs> to create some conflict. It's going to be great, man. It's going to be fun. So, I think with the NBA, you got to have fun with it, but you're right. They, they got to figure it out, and I think next year they'll do the right thing. Look, the NHL made fun of it, and the last guy picked won a car. And then, you know, they televised. So, the NHL had fun with it, so the NBA needs to loosen up. And you're right, they probably will after next year, because it's 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 a ratings grab. They're missing a ratings grab, right? And everything's TV and ratings. That could be on ESPN or TNT one night, an hour special, and everybody's watching that, Ray. And here's the big question. Does Rihanna show up to the game and give Joel <laughs> But did you hear he tried, to, he, he tried to say, like, now he's too big for her. Now that he made the All-Star, he don't want to go date her. <laughs> I love. Well, first of all, let me tell Twitter you something. His game is great, Ray. I love Joel Embiid. He doesn't take himself too serious, and I think we need a lot of that right now in sports and just in our country. We're having too much, you know, just hatred and division. But think uh, about, know, but think about this, this though. He asked her out three years ago when he was just like a kid coming out of yeah. college as a freshman, no less. Well, I want to ask you this before we bounce. The trade uh, deadline's coming up February 8th, and obviously the Raptors are making – not the Raptors. The Hornets are making no bones about it. They are talking about moving their seven-year veteran who's done everything for the team in Kemba Walker, and they want to try to unload one of those bad contracts like Cody Zeller or Nick um, Batum. Do you think it's kind of messed up that they're giving up on Kemba Walker, or is it their only play to sort of redo the team? I'm I'm okay with that. You know – I hate to do it to Kemba because he's been nothing but awesome. He won a national championship. He's been great. But if Ke- and I come back, you know this. This is my favorite sentence. If Kemba Walker's your best player, you're not going anywhere. You are yes. not going anywhere. So even though he's averaging 22 a game, and even though he's he can't be the best player on your team, he can't be the centerpiece of your franchise. So while I would like to have Kemba Walker on my team, he can't be the first or second best player, and I don't want him scoring 22 a game. So I I don't disagree with the fact that you can't build around this guy, especially if he's going to at some point want, you know, max, super max type of money. So they want to get rid of him. They want to get rid of Dwight Howard, Nikki Batum. Uh, But who needs him? What what contending team, Ray? Like who benefits from adding Kemba right right now? Like, because I'm 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 trying to think about it, and honestly, I I, I can't put him on a, a roster, and it's not a disrespect to I him. I mean, really. yeah, Isaiah Thomas. Uh, uh, if Isaiah Thomas wasn't healthy, he'd be great for Cleveland. Um, you know, who else is the contender? Uh, maybe a third a give third him- guard in Washington if they could somehow get Washington, a pick for him. Maybe. Player, Boston, think about Boston for, for a little like Vinnie Johnson type situation in Boston. 
Uh, especially with Gordon Hayward out. Yeah. It'll be fascinating how it plays out. Well, the Celtics want, they want big fish. The Celtics are trying to get Anthony Davis, and I just don't think that's going to happen. And I'd like to see the Pelicans keep those guys together, uh, Cousins and Davis. So we'll see how it plays out. I don't but, know if there's um, enough money to keep them together, though, so you might have to get rid of Cousins and, and, and try to build around one or the other. I tell you, as we get closer, though, I, I'm starting to notice one thing. I, I really feel like this is the last year of LeBron in Cleveland. I, I don't think it's working out, and I, I think he, I think he's going to leave. I hear you. The only question is where does he go, right? Miami was so obvious, and it was yeah. so perfect with him and Bob. I don't think he even but knows he, yet, Ray. And I think Houston's in play. Go to the Clippers? I know. I, I, the I, Lakers? I think Houston's in play. I don't think the Clippers or Lakers have shown themselves good enough this year that him and George could go there and win anything. So, to me, it's Rockets, Spurs, or a, the, a, a good team in the East. That's what I'm But I'm here's thinking. the thing. Here's the thing. LeBron gets a lot of credit for going down to Miami and winning a title, even though Dwayne Wade won one in 06. He can't go to San Antonio with, with Popovich and, and the winning tradition that they had there. And so they win a couple championships. I don't think that that helps the LeBron legacy. You know what I mean? I, I agree. Like got to go but I think to a he place that is legacy. not a winning place. Well, you know, he's about to get this to be the seventh player to get 30,000 points. He'll probably get 25 against OKC uh, tonight or tomorrow night. And I think he thinks his legacy is more about getting the fourth or fifth ring, that it's not about anything else. And wherever he goes to get it, he still feels that he's the best. You know what I mean? Like, I, Maybe. He gets his fourth or fifth ring. He finishes second to Kareem, let's say, on the all-time scoring list. Yeah. Uh, or maybe passes Kareem, depending on how that last four or five years of his career work out. Um, maybe, maybe I get it, but but going to San Antonio, it looks sloppy to me. Leonard, I agree. But you know what? I think he's I looking think, at the tea leaves, right? Like how everybody's now talking about Durant might be the best player over him, and Durant went to the great team with the Warriors. So his excuse could be. I just did what Durant did, and I'm trying to Fair compete enough. with that juggernaut. I want to see him go to Milwaukee and haven't won a championship since Kareem. Yeah, they have Giannis. <laughs> him and Giannis? Let's go. Him, wait, wait. Let's him, Giannis, go. and Eric Bledsoe and Jabari Parker. Listen, you, Ray, it might, it might happen. You don't know. Let's go. That's a challenge. That's, a, that's an accomplishment. That uplifts a city, a state. Like, that's real. Not going to San Antonio. And you know I love me some San Antonio. But then I don't go to San Antonio with Kawhi Leonard and Aldridge will probably be gone. But uh, don't go there. Don't go to teams that already have won. I mean, I was going to say Philly, but Philly trusts the process is, is doing it's just fine. No you shooting. Know, they're too young. young. Well, listen, that's a great way to end the show. We should all wind up in Milwaukee for one time or another in our lives. <laughs> but uh, and I haven't been there yet. But uh, listen. It's a cool hey, town. I've been like there. You. Huh? I said I've been there. It's cool. Oh, yes. you, know, you saw the Bucks play, right? The Bucks, yeah. The Brewers. Uh, I didn't see the Packers, but I saw the Bucks and the Brewers. That's good enough. That's good enough. So it's it's really gonna come down to who wants it more Sunday afternoon and evening, and it should be a lot of fun. We'll talk to you on Monday and wrap up the AFC and NFC championship games. <laughs>
great sports weekend.